Welcome to the Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Breakaway for nonstop chill. And brought to you by Bed River Sportsbook. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light, breakaway for nonstop chill, also sponsored by the Chicago Wolves with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios. You can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. Follow Brian at Brian Hanley 534. You can reach us at 312-332-3776. Good morning, Brian. How you doing? Patrick, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. A little uh, knocked back down to earth, I think, last night, the Hawks were. they uh, For the first time since January 17th, a 16-game span, the Hawks lost by more than a goal. They've just suffered two regulation losses in their last 10. But look, this is a really good Carolina team that they played last night. Uh, the Hawks are far from a finished product. They need to have a strong work ethic every single night. They need to excel on special teams. They need to manage the puck well. They need fantastic goaltending. And not all that came together last night against the Hurricanes. You know, when you and I were talking yesterday, I said even beating a bad Detroit team when you didn't play very well in in stretches, for well, one for an entire game against Detroit and for stretches of the second game, and you found a way to win those games, even as bad as Detroit is, to me that was still kind of a statement that, you were able to find ways to win when you weren't, when it wasn't your night or you weren't focused or whatever it was. Um, you know, I'd say a month, a couple weeks into the season, you would have probably lost one, if not both those games because you just weren't very good. And as you said, it's not, it's not nearly a finished product. But last night's game, like you said, I, I started thinking, okay, you've got nine wins. You're nine, six, and four. Uh, you got a nice winning percentage. You're, you're in the playoff picture people are starting to pay attention to you now the bar has been raised in my mind to the point where i'm like okay who have you beaten you know how are you doing against those better teams and obviously carolina's on a nice 4-0-1 point streak and and they're a bigger and a faster team and a better team but if you take away the detroit wins the four wins you know what what do you have here with the blackhawks you have a gritty group but are they? I mean, there's obviously other levels they have to attain, and I'm just the good news is the bar's raised, and I'm starting to to kind of judge them in a different way, and I'd like to see them play better against better teams now. Yeah, I mean, I'm walking into the uh, to the studio here at, at uh, 190 North State Street, and the security guys are like, "How about them Hawks? You know, they yeah. weren't saying that three no. weeks ago, a month ago, right? No, I mean, it was more like, "How about them Hawks? Yeah, Jeez, how about those Hawks? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what, are you gonna, what are you going to talk about for an hour? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it, it was a step up in class. It, actually, it was a, several steps up in class between taking on Detroit and Carolina. As you mentioned, they are a, a big, fast team. You better be ready to skate against them. They are le- legit cup contender and they play this high pressure system ian mitchell says they play man on man all over the ice they're all over us and here's patrick kane on playing hard and bringing that work ethic every single night something that the hurricanes did last night i'm trying to ingrain it in our culture here where it's a um you know we bring that worth work ethic that battle level level every night 
And, um, like I said before, that's just a team that does that every night and, uh, they're not an easy team to play against. So, um, I think you learn from those things. Um, be a good hard-working team away from the puck when you're in a puck battle win the puck battle and come out with it um it's going to make the game easier but they play in your face all night and so um, like i said it's a tough team to play against brian i thought they lost the sweat battle last night i, yeah. I thought the hurricanes won a lot of those individual battles the 50 50 pucks the hawks didn't manage the puck well 30 turnovers in the game and you can look at at the carolina goals as examples of poor puck management. Their first goal, Zadorov and Dahan both had opportunities to clear the puck out of harm's way. And then the, the goal ends up going off Zadorov's leg and in. And then uh, on the second goal, they, they lost a board battle and then broke down in D zone coverage. So, you know, you can point to, um, to, to kind of some work ethic mistakes and just some miscues with puck management that led to at least two of those Carolina goals last night. Yeah, and Kelvin DeHaan had had a rough night. Did he even get hit by the crossbar after he he batted the puck in on the rebound? Right. right. <laughs> it was just yeah, it was yeah, they couldn't get out out of the zone. They couldn't clear. They couldn't when they did have the puck, they would quickly, like you say, lose the battle, lose the puck. And you know, it was it was disconcerting to watch that time and again. And just for comparison, when you look at Florida sitting atop the division. Only two points uh, above the Hawks, and Carolina only a point above the Hawks. But you're talking about a point, a, a goal differential for Florida plus ten, and Carolina plus fifteen, and the Hawks sit there minus one. So that speaks again to the margin of error when you're not the most talented of teams by any stretch. If you don't bring it, if you don't compete, if you don't bring the grit, and you don't have that kind of focus and determination pretty much every night you're going to be uh, on the losing side of, of those games and it also goal differential speaks to those first four games when you gave up 20 goals and only scored nine well, you know there's so that there's, yeah you know, there's, there's, that. there's you're kind of against uh, a, a, a steep incline after those four games let's go to the phone lines 312-332-3776 do you think this blackhawks team is a playoff contender. I mean, do you think they can hang around in the top four all season long? Or, as Brian mentioned, you know, they're going to beat up on the Detroits and maybe the Nashvilles, but when they step up in class against, say, Florida, Carolina, and Tampa, it's going to be a different story. Let's go to John in Evanston. Good morning, John. How you doing? Hey, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Two things I, I want to mention to you, okay? First of all, this six-game layoff is going to hurt the Hawks now because you want to get right back on the ice after taking a loss like that and, and get back, you know, some of your mojo that you lost. And, well, it's not going to be six know. days. They're going to play no, Tuesday, Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. going to play Tuesday oh. night against Columbus. So, yeah. Okay. Number two, stand these teams up at the blue line. Make them shoot the puck in and go after it. That'll give us a chance our defense a chance to get the puck out of there instead of letting them bring the puck in, force them to shoot it in like we, like they do to us. And let's see what we can do then because our forwards are already be up at the blue line and we can start a rush and, you know, let's keep doing what we're doing on the power play. Let's keep, you know, let's, you know, when we get the man advantage, Hey, getting a couple of shorthanded goals wouldn't hurt either, but our power play has been doing well and, you know, we got – don't think so much. React. React to the puck. Wherever the puck is, that's where we got to go. We, sometimes we spend time – we spend more time 
thinking about what we're going to do, just do it. Just get the puck in the other end and, you know, force the goalie to get out of the crease a little bit, and we've got a two-on-o at the net. All right, John, appreciate the phone call. Um, look, the the Hawks are not a big team, especially when yeah, you look standing, at... Yeah, standing teams up at the blue line is yeah, a nice I mean, like. Like like last night, that's an example of where a big, deep team can uh, be problematic to your somewhat undersized defensive core, other than Zadorov. I mean, you look the, the the Hawks don't have a lot of big defensemen, and so that means you really need to have great positioning on the Hurricanes forwards. You'll hear Jeremy say, be on the right side of the puck. And tie up sticks and things like that. And that's where, you know, we're dealing with a bunch of rookies. Every D pairing has a rookie on it. And that's a lot to learn. There's a difference for Ian Mitchell playing at Denver University last year and then taking on world-class players in the National Hockey League several months later. It's, it's, it's a process. It's a learning curve. And it's something that, you know, these guys are, are finding out firsthand. And there's going to be some missteps along the way. Even last night, some missteps from some veteran blue liners. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, it's interesting when you bring up Jeremy Carlton. We talked last week and, and a couple of weeks prior about how he is, whatever he's selling, the, the team is buying. And he's, he's demanding, you know, work ethic and all the intangible stuff because, as Duprinkett admitted a couple of weeks ago, hey, we're not going to win games by outskilling people. We just don't have that talent. So there's a self-awareness among that, that group in the room. But it was interesting to hear Jeremy Carlton, uh, I read Steve Greenberg's column in Sun-Times today, about taking his experience as a player in a career that was cut short by concussions, but not having self-confidence and not feeling like you really belonged on the NHL ice with the people around you, with the players around you. And taking his personal experience uh, Pat and and doing the opposite, really instilling confidence in his young players, whether they make mistakes or not. He doesn't harp on the mistakes, like you say. I mean, it's going to happen. He wants them to to be on you know the edge of their skates. He doesn't want them backpedaling. He doesn't. He wants them to always be moving forward and and believing that they not only belong there, but they're going to excel there. So. Uh, it's as this winning has gone on and the season has taken a, an upward swing that a lot of us didn't see coming. We're learning more about the coach who a lot of us had a big question mark about when he got the extension. I certainly thought, oh, OK, that's interesting. You're making a commitment to a guy during a rebuild and we're not even sure what you have behind the bench. But apparently Stan Bowman uh, believed what he had behind the bench and Jeremy Carlton was the real deal. So far, the buttons they've pushed uh, have worked thus far. Coming up. Your phone calls, we've got a full bank to get to at 312-332-3776. Our poll question, we had two incredible highlight reel goals the last two games. We had Patrick Kane's spinorama backhander goal to get the Hawks going last night. We had Philip Kurashev's splitting the defenders, dangling and beating Bernier for the game-winning goal in Detroit on Wednesday night. Which one was more impressive to you? Follow the show on Twitter, at ESPN Hockey Show. You can vote there as well. And on the other side, has Patrick Kane found his new Panarin? That's next. This is The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. Presented by Coors Light. 
Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the new ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Bershev to game the zone. All the way through and in. And he scores. Oh. Highlight goal. Philip Kurashev, his fifth on the year. And the Blackhawks on the board first. Kane to the other end, looking for help from Debrinket. Kane to spin around. He scores! Oh, roll the highlight film! Patrick Kane with a spectacular Savoie Fair Spinarama! The lead cut in half. That was Pat Foley last night, NBC Sports Chicago. Mike Tirico on the national call on NBCSN on Wednesday. Two incredible goals. Philip Kurashev. The rookie coming through in the Motor City, and then last night, Patrick Kane doing more. You know, Pat, we we, we come, we're so spoiled, right, Brian? I mean, you've seen that a half dozen times now from Patrick Kane over the last fourteen years. Yeah, Brandon tweeted at us he had to give it to Kershaw because he has seen Patty Kane, as he said, <laughs> do it so many times. And uh, it was an interesting question you posed because I'm thinking, okay. Kershaw undresses three defensemen right. and, and buries it, and it's a game-winning goal. So I know Detroit's not a good team, so therefore their de- defensemen are not very good, but it was three on, one on three, and it's a game-winning goal. And yet Patrick Kane made it look so easy. You know, he dekes the pass. He dekes, uh, you know, Pesci is pretty good, one of the better defenders in the league, right? Yes. So uh, it's a tough one um, because – you know, maybe we are spoiled. And I, I actually covered Savvy, and I saw that so many times. I know Bill Wirtz told us one time that Savvy saved the organization because that's how desperate they were to put people in the seats. And and I was lucky enough to cover his Hall of Fame induction, and that was a fun night. But uh, it was, you know, he makes it look so easy. I, mean, I, I loved how he said him. afterwards that, you know, he thought he was going to go blocker high. Yeah. He actually went seven, seven hole, hole under, yeah. the, under the armpit. But, yeah. I mean... It's just incredible what that guy does. On, I mean, on he's, a, he's done it so many times. He, exactly. You know, the he's, the uh, the Carolina broadcast team was saying, "Well, he usually goes short side when he does yeah. that. This time, he I mean, so he put a little different. You know, the, maybe the scouting report said, "Hey, watch out for that," and he went uh, the other side of the net. But I mean, yeah, the Spinorama scouting report. They know. <laughs> so he's now fourth in in the National Hockey League in points with twenty six. It is our ESPN Hockey Show poll question brought to you by Coors Light. Uh, which goal was more impressive? Kurashev's game winner in Detroit, Kane's spinorama last night. Leader in the clubhouse is Patty Kane. No surprise there, but we'll continue to update that. Feel free to uh, chime in at ESPN Hockey Show on Twitter. Let's go to the phone lines. We are uh, we are full and locked and loaded. Let's start with uh, Tim, and he joins us from Midlothian. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing? Good morning, boys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Great show. Um, just wanted to say... Uh... Uh, to answer the poll question, Kerchess was sick. Uh, we see Kane do it so much, but Kerchess was amazing. And um, it had everything, right? Think, it, it had speed. Oh, it had high level skill and deek of the deek of the pass before the shot. Yeah, and a great finish. So sick. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say, like, I don't think a lot of the Chicago fans, myself included, are giving Stan Bowman enough credit. I was banging that guy hard, and man, it sure seems like he knew he knew he knew what the heck he was doing. This I, team looks great. These young guys look awesome. Did you ever think the goalie situation was going to work out the way it has, Tim? <laughs> that too. I was. Uh, we were so hard on him, me and all my friends, and now we're like, uh, maybe there's a reason we're sitting here and he's there. 
<laughs> All right. Good call. Thanks, Tim, for joining us. No, I, look, we said it last week, and I was I was the first to to uh, to, to say I was wrong. I mean, I thought Corey, you had to bring Corey or a veteran back. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought with the way this defense has been playing the last couple of years that it was going to be. You needed the backstop. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and lo and Lincoln behold. Lincoln had, had a terrific save last night, too. I mean, you know, they were chasing the whole night, but, uh, you know, it wasn't because of him. You know, that there was the, there was the turnovers and everything else we talked about. Wasn't uh, Lincoln in at fault for for that loss? Let's go to John in Oak Park. He joins the hockey show on ESPN One Thousand. Good morning, John. Good morning. Thanks for the show. Just wanted to say, uh, not a big fan of Boquist. Uh, when he's on the ice, we always seem to give up four or five. Doesn't take away space. Gives way too much time. And when he was out, we went seven one and one. Think we need to do something about that. All right, John. I, I hear what you're talking about. Look, yeah. he, he was exposed in the bubble as far as his lack of physicality, and you saw when big forwards tried to get space and come to to the net and come to the the dirty areas. Adam lost those battles, and you know it even cost him. He got sat in in one of the games in the bubble. It's the area that he needs to work on. Uh, he's got a lot. I thought he played really well in his first games back on Wednesday in Detroit. Now they dressed, they went with the, the 11 forwards and seven, seven D man yeah. approach. Um, and part of that is to protect these young defensemen. And if one guy's not having a great game, try to squeeze him out and, and put somebody in there who can. Uh, it's not an ideal situation. You, you'd, you'd rather have, you know, the, t- the standard 12 forward 6D setup. But I, I hear I hear what he's saying as far as the the defensive side. That's where Boquist has to get stronger, has to learn how to uh, position himself better and use his stick better. Stuff that like you know you would see Jalmerson being an undersized guy, but still had a great stick and was able to tie up offensive players from making plays. It's an important season for him, and uh, you know being out didn't help him obviously, but. I wanted to see bounce back. I wanted to see improvement. And, you know, he's he's got talent. He's got skill. He's still young, obviously. But you need to see better. And, you know, I'm with the caller right now. It's it's underwhelming, to say the least, to just be, you know, polite about it. Um, and when you look at, you know, you, you mentioned that Kane find his uh, Panarin, his new Panarin. And to bring it, when he was out, they were 1-1-2, and two, and the power play was 2-11. So you do notice when, you know, what the team does when certain guys are on the ice or off the ice. Look, it takes getting used to playing with Patrick Kane. We, we've heard it from, from several players about wanting to defer to him and wanting to get him the puck. And I really think what we're seeing here in year four from Alex DeBrinkett and you know year three of playing off and on with Patrick Kane, now it's a consistent basis. He's figured some things out. He's figured out Kane's east-west approach and finding quiet ice to receive the pass from Kane, and vice versa, when to get it to Patrick, and how these two can be explosive, uh, playing on their off wing, and and each set up for the one-timer. Here's Patrick Kane on the chemistry with the Brinket, and can it rival what he had with the Breadman, Artemi Panarin? Here's Patrick on that. I think, you know, we can be just as good as, as myself and Artemi were. Um and, you know, the good thing is that um, we spent a lot of time together. We've talked about certain plays. We've, 
had the communication and um you know i really like him as a person too so he's fun to hang out with i think that always develops the chemistry a little bit too but um you know obviously you look at things like you know i'm a left-handed shot playing my off wing he's a right-handed shot playing his off wing there's a lot of lot that can be created there as far as you know um uh side to side passes and being able to create that way so um, we'll just keep building. I think, uh, you know, I have a lot of confidence in him as a line mate and, uh, you know, he can make all the plays too. So, um, like I said, we'll just keep building on that and keep trying to get better and better. That's Patrick Kane on the chemistry that it's developed with, with Alex to bring it. You've, you've watched it now the last few years. Do you notice the, uh, just the chemistry and being on the same page and the fluidity of the two of them on the ice together now, Brian, versus the last couple not, of years? Not only is it the eye test, but according to natural stat trick, over the last two seasons, uh, the season and, and 17, 18 games this year, they are combining for 2.55 goals per 60 minutes. But this year in the in the games to this point, it's been 3.75 goals when they've been playing together because last year they weren't playing together most of the season, right? Right. And for comparison's sake, with uh, Kane and P- uh, Panarin over two seasons, pretty damn good, 3.05 goals. So they're at 3.75. It was great to hear Kane talk, uh, PB, about how they hang out. You know, they work out together. They they play golf together when they can in the off season and they become really good friends. And so that just builds the chemistry that you see on the ice when they kind of, they're, they're such good friends. They, they kind of know what to expect from each other. And uh, one other thing Kane points out is what we see on TV from DeBrinket, the, the smiling all the time, the, the kind of the sheepish, uh, you know, grin that, that he gives it, behind that is a fierce competitor, whether they're on the golf course whether it's after practice, playing two-puck, these guys go at it all the time. Let's go back to the phone lines real quickly. we got Emily Kaplan joining us in a few minutes here on ESPN 1000. Let's go to Jeff in Palatine. Welcome to the Hockey Show, Jeff. How are you doing this morning? Good. How about yourself? We're doing all right. First off, thank you for the show. I mean, it's great to have a show that actually talks hockey and it's knowledgeable and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, very not served until um, the show. So thank you for that. Appreciate I that. I will say... I will say, um, you know, my son plays uh, hockey, 10-year-old, you know, and there's a lot to be said, you know, with everything that's been going on with, like, the COVID stuff and all that stuff. He's had to play in, like, a lot of these non-sanctioned leagues, and the chemistry, when you get to play with your friends and you start to know people, you play so much better. And I think you're seeing that with Kane and DeBrinket. I think the real question becomes is, what happens when Doc and Taze come back? Like, where does Kane fit in? Is he still going to be a center? Well, I mean, Kane, Kane's always going to be a right winger, and you're going to have – the question would be who, who, would, who would center that line. Yeah, right. And, I mean, right now, you know, we've seen uh, Pew Suter, the rookie up there with the Brinkett as well. We know how uh, Dylan Strom has had chemistry with, with the Brinkett over the years. Um, look, that, that's a that's – a, problem that Jeremy Colleton would love to have is if Taves and Doc come back and and where to slot them in. I mean, to me, uh, you know, if you put Taves up there, fantastic. If you you put Kirby Doc up there. Doc was originally going to be with Patrick Kane at the beginning of the year. That was that was the plan in training camp. Of course, that plan was blown up 
because of Doc's injury at the World Junior Championships. Let's go uh, to Julian. Julian joins the show. Good morning, Julian. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, just a couple of house cleaning calls. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, ESPN and to uh, the Wolves uh, hit on that package last week. So thanks a lot, and thanks for oh, showing. Oh, great. Terrific. Hey, uh, I, I think the big thing, I mean, Bowman's really done some things. I think what we got to look at now is uh, Ah, Julian, you're breaking up. Sorry, bud. I think he was going to talk about uh, some trade deadline moves. The trade deadline is April 12th. Look, I, I don't see them, even if they're in contention, I don't see them adding. I look at the possibility of Jonathan Taves. I don't think Kirby Doc is going to be able to go this year. Yeah. But if Taves comes back, I mean, th- there's your deadline move. That'll be the biggest trade deadline move in the National Hockey League, and you won't have to give up assets for it. Yeah, Deepak67 tweeted at us, and you and I talked about this yesterday. And, and, you know, I wanted your take on that is when I asked Stan Bowman a couple weeks ago about, you know, let's say the team is playing even better than we uh, they were playing when we talked to Stan and they were, you know, starting to find their stride. You know, if they hit another level or two and are in the playoff picture, what do you do? And he said, well, that's a lot of speculation. But, you know, after you, you talked me through it yesterday, I, I'm with you. I, I think you're just going to let these young guys get their playoff legs. And, you know, if they're in the postseason, just let them go and see where they go. And, and you know, valuable experience. I, I don't think anyone envisions them having a Stanley Cup ceremony anytime soon. But, hey, I didn't expect them to have nine wins in the in the column at this point either. Coming up next, Emily Kaplan. She covers the entire NHL for ESPN. Uh, She had a conversation with Duncan Keith this week. He's got some interesting uh, training methods. We'll get into that and discuss the rest of the NHL with Emily. Coming up next, it's The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Duncan Keith hung with the kid, needs him to get him. And now Keith back the other way with the brinket. Keith, where's him? What's it? He shoots the Duncan Keith, the overtime winner! out of Nathan McKinnon rush, takes it the length of the ice, and keeps Chicago's playoff hopes alive. And that was a couple years ago. The ageless one, Duncan Keith, <laughs> continuing to log ridiculous ice time and playing at a very, very high level. Welcome back to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light, also sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. It is our pleasure to welcome in Emily Kaplan. She covers the entire NHL for ESPN. You can also see her on Around the Horn. Emily, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing we're doing great because you know we're going to get to your conversation with Duncan Keith in a minute. But let, let's just talk about the, the, it's been a surprise for us here in Chicago, just how effective this Blackhawks team has been thus far with so many rookies contributing early on, and kind of the way we went into the season with not very high expectations for this team. When you canvass the entire NHL, is the Blackhawks' start one of the biggest surprises? For sure. I've heard a lot of people talking about it, um, and and they're really impressed. And, you know, I think part of it is we underestimated the impact that guys like Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith still have because both of them are producing at a very, very high level. Part of it is you didn't know what you are going to get out of these rookies 
But really the biggest thing to me is like I used to cover the NFL and there was this adage, if you have two quarterbacks, it means you don't have a quarterback. <laughs> and when the Blackhawks <laughs> entered training camp with three quad goalies, I was like, that definitely means they have no goalie. But it turns out they do because Kevin Lankinen, as everyone knows, has just been fantastic. You know, one thing, Emily, when I was reading your story, it was a terrific piece and uh, really get an insight into what Duncan Keith does to keep him in shape. And the kid's about playing to 45, but he said even a few years ago, people were asking him how long he's going to play and, and make him sound like an old man at 35. So he just said 45 just to get people to stop asking. <laughs> I felt bad about myself. I mean, during the pandemic, <laughs> I've been walking and I've been losing weight. I think I'm doing a good job. And then I see what this guy does. I, I, I'm ordering a juve light today. I don't. I had to look it up to figure out what it was. But anything he's I know, doing, I know. I've got to get the normatic boots. I've got to get the the pad with the electric currents. And I'm I got the steak and potatoes down. But the you know the whole Duncan Keith workout regimen uh, made me feel like I'm not even close to doing what I could be doing. Yeah, it's so funny. So I was talking to um, an NHL strength and conditioning coach for another team. Uh, yesterday, and we were talking about that article because he read it and he was really interested and wanted to pick my brain a little more. And he's like, you know, that sounds like he sounds like one of those guys that just tries everything. And as you mentioned, he has all these different things. But he also understands that, like, it only comes down to four pillars. And, like, for him, it's breathing, nutrition, hydration, and sleep. And obviously the breathing is one that we don't really talk about as much. Um, but it just – what my takeaway from just talking to Duncan is he's reading up on all this stuff and he's really, really – educated about how he can play as long as he can because this is what he's passionate about is just playing at a high level um and you have to respect both you know his uh instinctiveness to want to chase this and also just um his intuition and just what works for his body emily kaplan joins us on the hockey show on espn 1000 you know tom brady's known for tb12 and the, the strict diet the unique training when you talk to duncan about his methods uh, they're a little more different. Like it's you know avocado ice cream for for Tom. It's it's a a T bone and, and a baked potato for for Duncan. What what things surprised you about the methods he was willing to take to to keep this this thing going at thirty seven, logging twenty four minutes a night? Yeah, you know it's funny because like we always joke too. Like the old one thing hockey players love more than anything else is steak. Like they just love steak. So it was nice to hear that's still in vogue, and not everyone is doing this raw diet that Tom Brady has been popular. Um, but my biggest thing with Duncan, honestly, was you know, and he even said it. Like you can get all these expensive gadgets out there, like the juice lights that you mentioned and the normatic boots. But like really, for me, it's just coming down to what works for me. And for him, like, he feels good when he has steak and potatoes after a game because he knows, like, how much to intake and what his body craves. Um, and he knows, you know, what breathing exercises to do or how much he needs to sleep or how much he needs to drink and how much he doesn't need to drink alcohol and maybe just more water. You know, he did tell you also, we had a, a guy tweet at us, a, a fan tweet at us, that if you're really looking at a rebuild, you would should be looking to see what you could get for Duncan Keith, who's playing – who's skating 24 minutes a night and still at a very high level at 30, 37, you know, why wouldn't you see what you could get, maybe some assets to keep the rebuild going and add to it? Yet he told you he has no intention of waiving that no trade, no, no movement clause. Yeah, you know, and this has been something that fans have speculated about for years because we, you know, as Duncan even said, this rebuild that was announced a couple months ago, like that didn't start then. This has been going on for some time, and he knows that. And everyone's wondering, okay, he's at a high level. He clearly wants to win again. Obviously, wouldn't he want to go somewhere besides Chicago? Um, but we never really, you know, understand the full picture. And so much of it is personal comfort. 
so much of his professional. And this is where he carved out his career. And I get the sense talking to him that it's very important for him to finish his career here. Um, and he, he like that's what he said. It's my goal. I just want to win another Stanley Cup in Chicago. Emily, I saw you on Around the Horn this week, and you were you were discussing hockey diversity, or at least what the NHL is saying versus what they are doing. And you used the, the hiring of Brian Burke and Ron Hextall by Pittsburgh as your example. Explain to the folks where you were going with that. Yeah, so for me, you know, we talk about growing the game so much, but when I look at the game, especially at the highest levels, we're just recycling the same voices again and again. And, of course, it's often old white men, which is a lack of diversity and, you know, race and gender. But it's also just a diversity in thought. So when Pittsburgh had um, a GM opening and they said that they could have two hires by ownership, that's a luxury. And the fact that they went not only with one man who has experience running and being fired from an NHL team before, but two, it's just highly disappointing to me because this is a perfect opportunity, right, where you can bring in someone experienced and then bring in someone without experience but comes from a different background, diversify our thoughts, and that's how we grow the game. And Emily, you also, yeah, you know, Brian Burke seemed like an old guy when I was covering the league back in the 90s. (laughs) I know. And, you know, Uh, like, and I don't want this to be any disrespect to either of them because both of them are great, right? They're highly respected. It's just like, at what point are we going to stop recycling the same people again and again and get new voices in there? What, as far as the league goes, you know, the Hawks are sitting atop in terms of games played at 19 with a couple other teams. New Jersey, obviously, is has got half as many as, as some teams. Uh, now, now, not only the COVID uh, rescheduling going on, but, but what's the horrific stuff down in Texas with the power outage, obviously, has taken four games off of Dallas's schedule and has to be rearranged, and that impacted the Hawks being off tonight uh, because those dominoes fell and, and the league had to reschedule some games. How, how does this come together? Does everyone get 56 games in? Yeah, so um, I had an interview with Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, uh, on Monday. We were talking about this, and it was right after the NHL put in a second wave of new procedures that were supposed to make everything a little bit more secure, and everything felt a little fragile. But at that moment, he said he was pretty confident that we'd be able to finish the season and award a Stanley Cup. That said, uh, everyone getting to exactly 56 games, I think the league is starting to realize there's a possibility that won't happen. And the key going forward is just for everyone in your division to play around the same number of teams uh, games um, because, of course, the first round of the playoffs is just within the division, so that would be fair. Um, and then it would be based off of points percentage, and that's how we look at seeding. So I'd like to think at this point, you know, things have been trending in the right direction the last week or so. You know, vaccinations in this country, things start to turn. Um, we are looking to better days, but it's definitely still a bit fragile, and we're not sure if everything's going to go exactly as planned. And that's why the, the Hawks game was postponed tonight, trying to catch up the other teams in the Central Division. Last one for you, Emily. Lake Tahoe looks absolutely spectacular. I, I'm sure you'll be locked and loaded on those uh, two games today and tomorrow. Uh, do you think this is going to become a yearly visit by the NHL? So this weekend is going to be huge. They want to see what type of reaction they can get because I think it's so stunning and such a unique um, TV experience that there's no way they can't go. They can go back to the football stadiums after this. But of course, the big thing is revenue, right? Like it's such a big money maker for the league to sell thousands of tickets to this. Um, have everyone buy thirty dollars hats, twenty dollars beers, whatever it may be. Um, so they'll just kind of have to see if this weekend works and if they can find other creative ways to 
recoup revenue and create this as a money-making machine. Um, yeah, like I think we're going to go to Mount Rushmore. I'd love to go to Central Park or like wow. Lake Louise, maybe Navy Pier. So we shall see. Sounds great. Emily, keep up the great work. We really appreciate you joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. It's Emily Kaplan from ESPN. Coming up next, the birthday boy, the one and only Tom Waddle and Mark Silverman break down Philip Kurashev's goal from the other night. That's next. This is The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Who's a dude that just had the dirtiest goal of, of all time? Uh, uh, what's his name? He's got a Russian name, but he's not from Russia. Yeah. Cruz. Want to uh, hear it? What? Yeah, can I hear it? There it is. You got it. You nailed it. That's what it was. Good job. I, I You know what? Like I'm, I put myself behind the eight ball here uh, with actually trying to find out. It was dirty. Well, I mean, it was a pretty filthy goal, wasn't it? Like split the, the, the oh. triple team, put the biscuit in the basket. Yes. I, I could not that? believe that the Red Wings did not score, though, in the final four minutes. It was like there was a lid on that thing. I was thrilled. But I couldn't believe that the Red Wings couldn't get the, uh, the the puck in the net. And that is your hockey moment. Nobody, and I mean nobody, <laughs> breaks down the Chicago Blackhawks like the Waddle and Sylvie show. By the way, happy birthday to Tom Waddle. And uh, who's the dude who had the dirty goal last night? Has a, has a, has a Russian name, but he's not it's from not Russia. Russia. Yeah. And then and Sylvie gives a cursor. It's like from Blazing Saddles. It was a dirty goal. So we, that was our poll question. Which one impressed you more? Was it uh, the Kershev dangle in Detroit or was it Kane's spinorama against the Canes last night? Where do you think Where do you think the public went, Brian? Well, I voted for Kershev <laughs> um, yeah, because it was a game-winning goal and he did split uh, three defenders, uh, and and so it was a very important goal. Um, not take anything away from you know the uh, savvy move by uh, Kaner, uh, but uh, that's how I voted. How'd the public vote? The public went seventy percent to Patty Kane and the spinorama move last night. Did. Yeah, I'm always a contrarian. Thanks for chiming in on that. Uh, so, you know, as you get ready for th- this upcoming week, so the Hawks don't play tonight. That game against. Uh, Carolina was postponed yesterday as we talked to Emily. You know, the Hawks were going to play their 20th game tonight. Pretty much everybody else in the divisions around 14 or 15. So they're trying to even some things out right now. So Tampa's going to take on Carolina tonight. And the Hawks are off until Tuesday when they take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Hey, it's all about adjustment this year, right? Brian, whoever... Uh, meanders their way and deals with the COVID protocols and the guys that get infected and those that have to The old control, what you can control. And I think Jeremy Carlton and Rod Brindamore said it best. I mean, since these games are coming, you know, right one after another, it's not like you're really planning out the next three, right? You're just worried about the next, next game. So, you know, they asked how much that's going to impact them having to play, what, Tampa, right? Carolina's going to host Tampa instead that's of the Hawks yeah. tonight. Yeah. He said, well, I mean, you know, we're going to play anyway, so 
maybe the scouting has to be uh, put on, uh, you know, fast forward to, to get through to Tampa. But um, it, it's it, it's the only approach you can take right now, right? You can't get too worked up over things you can't. And they get a little bit of a break. I assume they're coming home. And are they going right? No, no, no. They're staying. They're staying in Raleigh, and they're okay. uh, they're not actually not even practicing today. They'll be back on the practice right. sheet tomorrow, and then so they'll they make their a, way to Columbus. Get a little break, and and you know it's not twenty below. I, I know it's not great down in Carolina, but uh, you get a full weekend. There's, there's yeah, something. I got a surprise Saturday night off. What do you have coming up next with Jeff Meller? Oh, we got so much to talk about. Uh, obviously, you know, the Bears, you know, dodge a bullet, not getting Carson Wentz, or did they? You know, realize that um, he wasn't going to be a good fit here. How about this? Fernando Tatis just signed a, a $340 million contract, and people are wondering how this impacts Javier Baez when the Cubs are, you know, crying poor the whole yeah. time and then going, you know, trying to get the old clan back together on, on the cheap. But we've got plenty of baseball. It's great to see pitchers and catchers reporting. We've got both sides of town to talk about. And, and the Bulls and Zach Levine uh, didn't get the job done, but. Uh, you know, he didn't get to be a starter in the All-Star game, but he's going to get his props. So we got a lot to dissect here. Jeff and Brian are coming up next. Thanks to our producer, Tyler Aki. Uh, thanks to the phone calls uh, this morning as well. Uh, the Hockey Show presented by Coors Light and sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. We'll be back next Saturday at 10 a.m. to talk about your favorite hockey team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Brian, have a great day. We'll see you next Saturday. You too, PB.